Chapter 23 Building Up versus Pulling Down Twenty years have gone by, and one would have thought that the reactions raised by the Council reforms would have calmed down, that the Catholic people would have buried the religion in which they had been brought up, or that the younger ones, not having known it, would have accepted the new one. That, at least, was the wager made by the modernists. They were not unduly disturbed by the uproar, sure of themselves as they were in the early days. They were less so later on. The frequent and necessary concessions made to the spirit of the world did not produce the expected results. Nobody any longer wanted to be a priest of the new religion, and the faithful turned away from their religious practice. The church which tried to become a church of the poor became a poor church, obliged to resort to advertising to collect Peter's pence and to sell off its properties. During this time, those faithful to tradition drew together in all the Christian lands, and particularly in France, Switzerland, the United States, and Latin America. The fabricator of the new Mass, Monsignor Annibal Bunini, was himself obliged to recognize this worldwide resistance in his posthumous book, a resistance which is growing and organizing itself unceasingly and drawing support. No, the traditionalist movement is not slowing down, as the progressivist journalists write from time to time to reassure themselves. Where else are there as many people at Mass as at St. Nicholas du Chardonnay, and also as many Masses, as many benedictions of the Blessed Sacrament, or as many beautiful ceremonies. The Society of St. Pius X throughout the world owns 70 houses, each with at least one priest. Churches like the one in Brussels and the one we have quite recently bought in London, or the one placed at our disposal in Marseille. Also schools and four seminaries. Carmelite convents are opening and already forming new communities, Religious communities of men and of women created 15 or more years ago who strictly apply the rule of the orders from which they stem are overflowing with vocations and are continuously having to enlarge their premises and construct more buildings. The generosity of the Catholic faithful never ceases to amaze me, particularly in France. The monasteries are centers of attraction. Crowds of people go there from far away, young people bewildered by the illusory seductions of pleasure and escape in every form, find in them their road to Damascus. Here is a list of places where they have kept the true faith and for that reason draw people. Le Barou, Flavigny, Avrier, the Benedictines of Al, the Sisters of Fanjot, of Brignoles, of Pont-Calec, and communities like that of Father Le Carreau. Traveling a great deal, I see everywhere at work the hand of Christ blessing His church. In Mexico, the ordinary people drove from the churches the reforming clergy who, won over by the so-called liberation theology, wanted to throw out the statues of the saints. It's not the statues who are going, it's you. Political circumstances have prevented us from opening a priory in Mexico, so faithful priests travel out from a center at El Paso, near the frontier in the United States. The descendants of the Cristeros welcome them warmly and offer them their churches. 
I have administered 2,500 confirmations there at the request of the people. In the United States, young married couples with their numerous children flock to the society's priests. In 1982, in that country, I ordained the first three priests trained entirely in our seminaries. Groups of traditionalists are on the increase, whereas the parishes and the dioceses are declining. Ireland, which has remained refractory towards the novelties, has been subject to the reform since 1980. Altars have been cast into rivers or reused as building material. Simultaneously, traditionalist groups have formed in Dublin and Belfast. In Brazil, in the Diocese of Campos, of which I have already spoken, the people have rallied around the priests evicted from their parishes by the new bishop, with processions of 5,000 and 10,000 people taking to the streets. It is therefore the right road we are following. The proof is there. We recognize the tree by its fruits. What the clergy and the laity have achieved in spite of persecution by the liberal clergy is almost miraculous. Do not let yourself be taken in, dear reader, by the term traditionalist, which they would have people understand in a bad sense. In a way, it is a pleonasm, because I cannot see who can be a Catholic without being a traditionalist. I think I have amply demonstrated in this book that the Church is a tradition. We are a tradition. They also speak of integrism. If by that we mean respect for the integrality of dogma, of the catechism, of Christian morality, of the holy sacrifice of the Mass, then yes, we are integrists. And I do not see how one can be a Catholic without being an integrist in that sense of the word. It has also been said that after me, my work will disappear because there will be no bishop to replace me. I am certain of the contrary. I have no worries on that account. I may die tomorrow, but the good Lord answers all problems. Enough bishops will be found in the world to ordain our seminarians. This I know. Even if at the moment he is keeping quiet, one or another of these bishops will receive from the Holy Ghost the courage needed to arise in his turn. If my work is of God, he will guard it and use it for the good of the church. Our Lord has promised us the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. This is why I persist. And if you wish to know the real reason for my persistence, it is this, at the hour of my death, when our Lord asks me, What have you done with your episcopate? What have you done with your episcopal and priestly grace? I do not want to hear from his lips the terrible words, You have helped to destroy the church along with the rest of them.